Hey, um, we're carrying on with our spiritual gifting series. So the spiritual gift I'm going to talk about today is kind of an obvious one to me. It's one that you either know you've got or you don't know you've got. So let me tell you a story. I'm a little bit nervous about telling the story. So all complaints to Will. Okay, so Will is the elder of the day. If you don't like the story, you can go and talk to Will. Hey, so as you know, I used to work at a Bible college and a big part of my job was traveling all over the country. So I used to do basically three days in the office in Tauranga and then two days on the road. And I could be anywhere, Christchurch, Auckland, Wellington, just zooming around and kind of selling the dream of the Bible college. Well, not selling, that sounds terrible, sharing the dream of the Bible college. And every now and then I'd take a young guy with me that I was mentoring just so we could travel together and talk about God and all that good stuff. And so one day I was doing a few stops and we'd flown to Palmerston North um, for the night. Liam, Palmerston North. I agree, he's horrible. He did a horrible face. Um, so we were there in Palmy for the night, and um, we were staying in... We always stayed in pretty cheap hotels. It's a Bible college, right? Um, and so the hotel was pretty budget, but it was real high-rise. It was super weird. Right in the middle of Palmy, and you just had, like, this 10-story building. Crazy. And so we'd had meetings all day, and he'd, had, he'd set up meetings with some people, and then we had an evening meeting with a whole bunch of folks. And then it was about nine o'clock, we were heading back to the hotel, and I was pretty wasted from meeting, so um, I said, bro, I'm going to go and crash, see you later. We had separate rooms, because I, ew, don't want to have someone else sleeping with me, that's just weird. Except for Joe's. That's my wife, I feel like, what did that happen there? Um, and so he's like, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. So he went for a walk off around Palmy, and I went and watched a movie or slept or whatever it did. In the morning, we met for breakfast, and he came in looking super weird. And I said, he was a really crazy guy anyway. And I said, bro, you all good? And he's like, oh, man, let me tell you about last night. And I was like, oh, shivers, because he's nuts. So he'd gone for a walk, and he was like early 20s. And he said, while he was out walking, he just suddenly desperately needed to go to the bathroom. Now, bathroom stories, again, all complaints to Will, right? So I need to go to the bathroom, and he was like, whoa, what am I going to do? So he boosted back to the hotel as fast as he could, got to the hotel, and he said he was now just desperate to go to the restroom. I'm using nice words, right? Bathroom, restroom. Um, and he got there and raced to the elevator, hit the button for his floor, zoomed up to his floor, ran um, to his door, and all the doors, the keys were like real, it was all real old, so the keys kind of worked, didn't work, it was all very weird, and his key wouldn't work, and he said he was just so desperate, he was freaking out, so he just put his shoulder in, like tried to wiggle it, put his shoulder in, boom, the door popped open, he was like, yes, shut the door, ran in, went to the toilet, and he said he was on the toilet just going, oh, I can't believe I made it, so good. Then he looked in the bathroom and went, oh my goodness, it's filled with lady stuff. What the heck, this is not mine, the toothbrush. And he freaked. So he said, and he hadn't shut the door to the thing, and he looked out and could see into their room, and it was all someone else's um, suitcase and clothes and things, and he just freaked out, and he said he just went, ah, finished his business and jumped up and ran out and shut the door, and then realised he was on the wrong floor. And so then he went to his own room, and I said, man, did you go and tell like the management or something? He's like, no, I'm not going to tell anyone ever. And I was like, bro, so... I, he, he's given me permission to tell that story, right? It's pretty hilarious. So the thing I'm talking about today is um, hospitality, all right? <laughs> hospitality. So um, I thought you might have guessed, right? Hospitality. One of the things about um, hospitality and the way we talk about it is it's a spiritual gift, right? Um, we talk about the hospitality industry being like um, hotels and cafes and things. And when you think about it, they're basically doing what we do, but without all the Jesus stuff, Right? So one of the things I'm going to talk about, the difference that we have as Christians when we show hospitality to someone, um, and I've talked about this heaps through the gifts, right? It's to build someone up, to encourage someone, to help them grow closer to Jesus. So when I've stayed in a hotel 
never, as I've checked in, has the person been like, bro, can I pray for you as you check in? Or when they bring you your coffee, they're like, bless you in the name of Jesus. You know what I mean? So there's this, does that make sense? There's a difference. Um, But when it's a spiritual gift, it's all about encouraging people, lifting them up, um, helping them to grow way closer to Jesus, right? So that's kind of where we're heading. Um, Let me start with this, um, a little quote to get us going. So talking about hospitality. Um, this, this is going to make sense. If you're like, what are those people doing? As we get into the verses, you'll be like, oh my gosh, Craig, that was the best slide ever. But right now you're like, what are you doing, bro? You're very weird. Um, this is a quote. The art of hospitality is to make guests feel at home even when you wish they were. That's pretty cool. I love that quote, eh? Even when you wish they were. So that's not hospitality. So hotels and cafes, not hospitality. This quote, not hospitality, right? Um, so let's get into the, some verses eh, before I get myself in even more trouble. Um, this is one of the classic verses about hospitality um, from First Peter, First Pedro, Pedro. Cheerfully, I love that word, eh? Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Um, I just love this, eh? And I love what he's saying in here. And this is, to me, one of the the big things we've got to get, because to me, it feels like hospitality is one of the ones you can feel really, one of the spiritual gifts you can feel guilty about not having, if that makes sense. So some of the other ones, you're like, oh, I don't have teaching, that doesn't worry me. I don't have administration, that doesn't worry me. I don't have this, it doesn't worry me. But hospitality is one in our culture you can feel real stink if you don't have it, and like everyone's judging you because you don't have people around for dinner and, and stuff. But I love what he says there. God is given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So it's our responsibility to figure out what is the spiritual gift that God has given me. Um, One of the things I'm going to talk about is we've got to move away. In my mind, when I grew up, hospitality was only inviting someone around for a meal. That was it. There was no other variations of hospitality. And so after church, you invited people for lunch, whether you wanted them in your house or you didn't. Irrelevant. That was just how you used this, this gift, whether you had the gift or not. Um, but very different now. So I'm going to talk about there's all sorts of different ways that we can show hospitality, right? Hey, so a bit of background around hospitality because it's real different in Peter's day, real different in Jesus' day to what it is now. Um, so most of you know uh, back then there were inns, um, but the inn was normally just a two-storied house, and the second story was just like my style sleeping. And so you'd go, you'd pay a very small amount, and then you'd just be able to sleep upstairs. There may be food, maybe not. It's kind of like that. Um, there was quite a lot of inns around, but a lot of people couldn't afford an inn. So as you know, Jesus and Mary are super poor, right? So we can tell that by the offering they make at the temple when Jesus is born. It's just the smallest one you can make, which shows they're really, really poor. Um, and so when they turn up to Bethlehem and they go to stay at an inn, it's real surprising because we're surprised that they would have enough money to afford an inn. And maybe it's because everyone who would stay with friends and family is already got somewhere to stay, a lot of people would say it's because Mary is just so ostracized because at that point everyone doesn't believe that Jesus is from God. Does that make sense? Talk about this at Christmas. The whole, I was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and people are like, we just don't believe you Mary, That's you're lying, it's you and Joseph. So she wouldn't be able to stay with friends and family, it's a big theory. Um, so the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem is about 80 miles, so pretty long way. So there would have been a bunch of places that they had to stay. On that way, and the normal way you found somewhere to stay is either you could afford an inn, uh, or you just went to the town square or the town gate, depending on which part of the ancient Near East you're in, and then you just waited. And because hospitality in their culture was so 
ingrained in them, so important, and not just hospitality, but safety and provision of food and provision of somewhere to sleep, so massive for their society. It was like incredible dishonour on a town if anyone was found to be um, after dark still waiting for somewhere to stay. And so regularly people would just go and sit and wait, and then the Johnsons would be going home with their you know, 200 children, they'd be like, whoa, wait, TJ is obviously looking for somewhere. TJ, come and stay. Even if they didn't know TJ, right? Even if she was around, even if she had some camels and a donkey, literally they would invite you back and make sure your camels, don't have camels, llamas, alpacas. Wow, okay. So it was that, that hospitality in their culture is just so massive, right? So massive. Um, hey, look, here's a good definition of hospitality, not like that terrible last one to warmly welcome people, even strangers, into one's home or church as a means of serving those in need of food or lodging. Um, I love, A, that picture, and I love this um, definition, right? To warmly welcome people, even strangers, into one's home or church, and I love that that's included in the definition, as a means of serving those in need of food or lodging. Um, When you start expanding it out like this, it kind of makes to me a lot more sense. There's people that have the gift of hospitality, but they just don't want to have people in their house. So how do they do that? They can be on the greeting team. And so the greeters today were showing hospitality. It was a bit awkward with elbows and can we handshake and hug and what's happening. But that's hospitality, welcoming people in, the people on the coffee team, um, which we had coffee planned, but we had to pull the pin. The coffee team people are showing hospitality, people on the cadet desk, um, before church or after church, when you think, okay, Jesus, I find it terrifying to talk to someone I don't know, but I know... It's good to welcome people, i.e. to show hospitality. So after church, just give me boldness. I'm going to go and find one person that I don't know. Ah! <laughs> and I'm going to say, hi, how's it going? And see if I can encourage them in their relationship with Jesus. That's you showing hospitality. And so one of the things I love about this bigger understanding is it's not the whole, oh my gosh, our life is crazy and stressful and we have 18 babies at home at the moment, but we have to show hospitality, so we've got to invite people for lunch. It's just not that at all, right? I love this definition. I love that it says too, um, serving those in need, right? Um, Serving those in need. And one of the things I love about our church is um, I think we do meals really well, right? And so there's always people popping out babies. We have so many babies popping out at the moment. It's ridiculous Um, or awesome. There's there's babies popping out everywhere. There's people that are sick. And as you guys know, Sarah Walker and and other people kind of oversee like a little meals plan. And the thing I love is it's exactly this, right? Um, caring people in need of, in this case, food. And so you'll see Sarah put it up, and then usually we put it in the newsletter. But sometimes when the newsletter's crazy full, we'll send out a special email on Monday because I just don't want it to get lost in the newsletter. And then you just see all these people signing up. And I've talked to heaps of people who will ring me, and they'll text me and be like, hey, so I'm cooking dinner for so-and-so. I have no idea who they are. And I just go, oh, my gosh, that is Jesus, right? You don't even know who this person is, but you know they're in need, and so you're at home paying for ingredients, cooking meals, and oh, I love it. It's cool. Hey, um, in the, I read the um, New Living Translation before, which talked about doing this cheerfully, and it's interesting, in, in a different translation, it says to do this without grumbling, right? Without grumbling, which I thought would just be the most ridiculous aspect of hospitality ever. So you see the meals thingy pop up, and you're at home, suffering stupid people popping out babies, throwing out cook their food. I'd just be like, what? I think you've kind of missed the entire point, you know what I mean? But it's interesting that Peter used that word, right? That he said you should do this cheerfully. Um, You should do this without grumbling. 
So it's clear that in their culture, there was an aspect of like obligation out of hospitality, but without the love, right? Do you remember when TJ read those verses, and we're going to read a little bit of that later on, the core of all this is love. It's caring for those people. So when you're at home, you're not like stupid babies popping out, cooking stinking food, you know? I'm going to burn the onions. It'll teach them for heaven, you know? It's like, wow. Man, I can't believe I get to cook a meal for these people in need right now. This is me showing the love of Jesus. I might not even know them, right? I might just be cooking it, and it's going to go in the freezer that we have back here. Someone else is going to take it. They don't even know it's for me, but that's not the point. This is me encouraging them. And I'm like, oh, awesome, awesome. Um, let me tell you a couple of funny stories, right? So um, this is to think about the grumbling thing and to do it cheerfully. Um, so my dad was a travelling preacher for like ever, right? So I grew up at uh, Tortora Springs, and dad was basically never there because he was always blasting all over the country, preaching and doing Jesus stuff. And he has a lot of hilarious stories. So this is back, this is more the 70s, I think, most of these stories. So there's a lot that I cannot say because some of the situations he was in when he was staying with people were just unbelievable. So here's just two that are still pretty shocking. Um, so one was he'd been at a church um, down country a little bit, uh, all day preached, and back in the day you had three services in the morning. So you had a family service, then the Lord's Supper, then church lunch, and then you had another service after. So that's three services, and then he'd normally speak with the youth or the elders or whatever, and then they'd do the gospel service in the evening. So you get home to someone's house, at like 9.30, and you're just smashed. And Dad said one place he stayed with, um, he had stayed there Saturday night and then did church stuff, and then he was staying there Sunday night and then moving on. And he said when he stayed there Saturday night, it was absolutely freezing. And he said it was in the middle of nowhere. He was so cold. And he had a sheet and a real thin blanket. That's all they'd put on his bed. And he was like, man. So when he got home, after doing all this you know, Jesus stuff all day, he went to the people and said, hey, thanks so much for having me. He's my dad was British, so he was like super polite. You know how British people are crazy polite? Yeah, so he was super polite. And then he said, but last night I was so cold. Would you mind if I had an, have another blanket? And the lady said no, and then just went off to bed. And dad was like, wow, okay, thanks. <laughs> That's just awesome. Um, another story, so he froze. He said he just put on all his clothes and froze. Um, another story, real similar, same thing, all day, been doing stuff. And then got back to people's house, and it was like 9 o'clock. It wasn't super late. And he said he went in, and he's British, so British people have to drink tea, right? So he, and this is true, these are both true stories. So he went in to the people, and, see, and they were just about to head to bed. And he said, oh, um, you know, again, thanks for having me, super polite British person. Would you mind if I just boil a jug to make a cup of tea? And the people said, no, we've already boiled the jug, we've already had a cup of tea. And then they went to bed. And he was like, okay, cool. So he just went to bed. And I was like, what the heck? Um, a positive story um, is... He, was, he used to preach down in Invercargill a lot, and someone in the church would always host him. Who's that? Invercargill? Go, Anne. Oh, this is a good story. Got to get the Invercargill. Too many R's down there, eh? Crazy Scottish people. Anyway, um, and so he was speaking down in Invercargill. He used to go down quite a bit. And he stayed with some people that I don't know, but they had a massive connection to all the Bluff Oyster stuff. Um, I don't know how they were connected in. And they had a real nice house, and they knew that Dad just loved oysters. And so Dad said any time he stayed with them, they looked after him like crazy, but no matter what they were having for dinner, there was always a massive pile of oysters just for Dad, which he said just made him feel so special and blessed. And I'm like, that's hospitality. The blanket? No. The jug? No. The oysters is hospitality, eh? I just love that, eh? I love that. Do it cheerfully. Do it without grumbling. You see the same kind of thing here in the next verse, Romans 12. And this is from what TJ read awesomely before. Thanks again, TJ. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And I love to say, 
Always be eager to practice hospitality. I love that, eh? Be eager to practice hospitality. It has the sense of be looking for ways. How can I show someone hospitality? How can I care for them? And again, it's different from hotels and cafes, right? It's to do with building that person up in their faith. It's to do with helping that person grow closer to Jesus. So like I talked about before, it's not just having them around for a meal. Because there's some people that would love to be hospitable, but the whole idea of having people around for a meal is just like, Um, So tons of ways, right? So I've talked about greeters, connect desk people, coffee people, um, just catching someone after church, just saying, hey, how you doing? It's hospitality. Um, Having, uh, catching up with someone for a meal. I catch up with heaps of people at the noodle bar. I'm super cheap, so there's a noodle bar in town, 12 bucks for a massive bowl of glorious noodles. 12 bucks, I can afford that. So I'm always shouting young dudes in the church that I just want to catch up with and how you doing? And the point, though, is to encourage them in their faith, Right? So if you're having someone around for a meal, it's not just to have them around for a meal and like, woohoo, we had a meal, it was great. How can I encourage this person? How can I build them up? If I'm catching someone after church, if I'm welcoming them, greeting them in, if I'm catching Mitch at the noodle bar, how do I make sure our conversation's got encouragement and and helping Mitch to grow closer to Jesus while he's helping me to grow closer to Jesus? That's the core of this whole um, hospitality thing. But like I said, I love that word eager, right? It's like I'm looking for ways, when I figure out I've got the gift of hospitality, I'm looking for ways to be hospitable, to, to care for people, to encourage people. Um, and a real simple way is coming up. So Joseph has been working with Annette and um, Elizabeth, and they're going to plan like a once a month here in the kitchen where they're just going to cook a mountain of meals that they'll then freeze. And then the idea is someone is sick, someone has a baby. Um, yeah, we still want to have people caring, you know, cooking meals and bringing it to them. But at the same time, then we can just go to the freezer and grab a mountain of meals and take it to them. And I was like, there's people that even at home to prepare a meal for someone would just be too stressful because of the season of life or whatever. But it's like, yeah, I could come on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon, hang out with a whole bunch of cool people from church and cook a mountain of meals, or maybe I can contribute to the ingredients. It's this eagerness, right? We're looking for ways to be hospitable. I love that. Okay. Um, this to me is the core of this whole spiritual gift thing, right? A spiritual gift aligns with what you love to do. A spiritual gift aligns with what you love to do. It's always going to be something that you really love doing. Um, let me read this verse. So this is um, one of my favorite verses, um, John 17, 23. So if you've got your Bible, go over there. This is the only, oh, and then one more. I didn't have a lot of verses for you to turn to, which I always kind of like to do to make sure you're checking out that what I'm saying is actually true. Um, John 17, 23, and Jesus is, this is Jesus speaking, and he's talking about our connection with the Trinity, and he says this confusing bit, I am in them and you are in me, like we're, we're so connected to the Trinity, and then this cool bit, which I've preached on heaps, right, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, and then this key bit, and that you love them as much as you love me, which is a verse I just don't understand, I don't understand how us created mortal beings can be loved by the eternal almighty God of the universe as much as he loves the second person of the Trinity who is also eternal almighty. I just don't get how we can be loved like that, but that's what he says. And the thing I've got to remember when I'm thinking about using my spiritual gifts is the reality that God loves me so much. So he, there's no way that God is you know, in heaven sitting there going, that TJ... I'm going to teach her faith and trust by giving her a spiritual gift. She hates, you know what I mean? It's like there's just no way because God loves TJ. 
God thinks TJ is just amazing. In fact, God, the creator of the universe, eternal, loves TJ as much as he loves Jesus Christ, the second person in the Trinity, which makes you just go, whoa. So when the Holy Spirit is giving TJ or whoever you are a spiritual gift, it's something that you just love, something that you're like, oh my gosh, man, I figured out my spiritual gift. And of course, that makes sense because that's what I just love doing because it comes from God, right? He loves us and he loves us serving him in a way that we just love, (laughs) that we enjoy. Um, Next little point under this spiritual gift aligns with what you love is this whole beware of seasons of life, right? I think this is super important. I kind of hinted at this before. Beware of seasons of life, um, especially with this hospitality one. There's nothing like a husband um, coming home and saying to his wife or a wife coming home and saying to um, their husband, man, I just invited like 20 people from church for lunch. Can you sort it? That's, like, that's a way to get a good slap in, right? Um, there's seasons of life where it's like, man, I know what my spiritual gift is, but now's the time to just chill, right? Like I said, there's heaps of people popping out babies, so now's maybe not the time. Maybe it is, maybe not the time to be inviting people around. And um, When I was writing this this week, I was, I was going to say, when you're popping out babies, it may not be the time to invite people around. I was going to say, and it may not be the time to be cooking meals for other people, but then when you look at the take them a meal, half the time it's filled with people that have just popped out a box of babies. And I'm like, man, who are these people? And it's because they're eager to show hospitality. But these seasons of life is what I'm meaning. These seasons of life, these times when it's like there's just stuff going on in my life that is just stressful. I'm not necessarily sinning and doing anything evil, but there's stressful, there's pressure. So right now is not the best time for me to be jumping into all this stuff, right? Here's the last little bit. Hospitality is not what's most important, right? Hospitality is not what's most important. Jump over to Luke 10. This is a story that you all know. Um, but I think it's just real crucial when we think about hospitality because like I said before, we can, we can be, be so focused on the hospitality we forget the whole point of catching up with the person. So Luke 10, um, verse 38 to 42. Uh, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha, and this is so crucial what Luke says here, was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, (laughs) because she's ticked, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my smelly sister just sits here while I do all the work? She's ticked. Tell her to come and help me. And then Jesus replies, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. Or you could say, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over having the perfect hospitality situation. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Martha's become so obsessed with the perfect table and the perfect meal and the perfect hand towel at the bathroom and the perfect, perfect, perfect that she's lost the whole point of who's sitting in her lounge, which is Jesus. The whole reason we want to be hospitable to someone is to encourage them, to build them up in their faith, not just to feed them, right? The whole reason we have someone around, the whole reason I catch up with someone at the noodle bar for noodles, the whole reason I catch up with someone here at coffee is um, to encourage them, to help them grow closer to Jesus, not to drink great coffee, not to eat glorious noodles, right? It's always about that, that encouraging them in their faith. Hey, um, we've gone through quite a lot of spiritual gifts now. And so one of the things, we're going to be hand, um, getting these little workbooks out to everyone shortly um, in a few weeks. And so one of the things I'm hoping you're doing already is as I'm preaching through them and Dave's been preaching through them, is starting to see ones that are like, oh my gosh, that's me. But again, there's no guilt, right? So I think this hospitality one can come with guilt and we're kind of like, oh my goodness, Craig. Okay, so I need to invite people. It's like, no, 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 no. 
we all want to be caring. It's part of being a Christian. But some people are going to have that spiritual gift of hospitality and they're going to be so excited to invite people for a meal, catch them for coffee. So there's no guilt in this thing, right? Let me pray and then we'll carry on worshipping. Yeah, Almighty God, thanks for uh, these awesome verses. Eh? Thanks for inspiring Peter. Thanks for inspiring Paul. That we be hospitable to one another, um, eagerly, cheerfully, without grumbling. Eh? I just really pray for folks to be really aware of seasons of life. It just felt like a real big thing this week. That there's some of us in this church, some of us listening on podcasts, where we would love to be being more hospitable, but just now is not a good time. Now there's stuff happening in our life. There's family situations, housing situations, whatever situations, where now is not a good time. Um, but for heaps of us, say, hey, now is a good time. <laughs> for heaps of us, can you show us, can you open our eyes to how we can be more hospitable, how we can be eager to show love to others that are in need of food, that are in need of lodging, God? Help us to be really eager. Yeah, yeah I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.